Welcome to Into the Known, a podcast focused on helping you find the known within you. With you today are your hosts, Cindy and Lisa. And today we're going to talk about wisdom and knowledge. This is a big one, Lisa. Like when we prepped for it, it's like, oh, we'll just do like an episode on wisdom and knowledge. Like, and this came out of us talking about agency and where you place your power. And as you were doing the intro, I'm like, this is this is a little bit bigger than <laughs> I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I just want to start by saying my goal with this episode for myself is to also kind of clarify and share my understanding of wisdom and knowledge and where I see it from, but also to be stretched a little bit um, in our conversation of how others might be seeing it. Because I I don't know that we have the same perspective, but I imagine they probably have a pretty big overlap. So Mm -hmm. interested in getting stretched, which means Wanderers, we want to hear your perspective on wisdom and knowledge and all of the things we're talking about this season, because we have our perspective, but we live in our little our little bubbles and they're constantly validated. So we need some new perspectives from time to time. Agreed. Please send in your insights and uh, ideas. It would be great to hear from you. Yes. Thank you. So where do we want to start? You know, I don't know. We always usually start with a definition, right? So yeah, <laughs> I was like this morning, I was like, okay. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? And, um, you know, I just sort of landed on a website and I thought this was pretty, pretty interesting way to kind of start. So it was basically saying knowledge is information, right? So you gain knowledge through experiences and that's information. And then wisdom, on the other hand, is using the knowledge and all the things you learn and couple that with experience and that perspective is what you use to make judgments, decisions, you know, um, choose a path in your life, that kind of a thing. So I like this to say wisdom is sort of intangible. It's sort of an intangible quality gained through the experiences in our life. And knowledge is, you know, basically like information that we gain as we go through those experiences in our life. So I thought that would be a nice place to start. <laughs> Gonna be honest, my, my brain went a little unconscious listening to it. <laughs> I'm like, do I ask her to repeat it? Do I just put down the words that I think that she just said? I'll just put down yeah. the words. I mean, yeah, I just put down the words. Notes. Yeah. Please don't ask me to, to, to read the notes because for whatever reason, the formal definitions here of knowledge and wisdom are really something my brain doesn't want to accept. And mm. I, part of me just kind of wonders if it's because I just put that intention of wanting to be stretched and how <laughs> I see knowledge and wisdom is very different. I will, I will share I think that knowledge is that information that you gain and you seek and whatnot. I do like that. And that wisdom is kind of the framework in which you apply it. I do. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate that. I think for me, in my own experience, I see them sometimes as being the same. And I think that's that's what has me going a little bit unconscious here. Because when I'm working with clients, I will see their own information come into their space and i will refer to it as wisdom because it's not present time information that they gained in this lifetime it's past life information that they're bringing in to apply Mm -hmm. and so in my head i'm like oh that's wisdom but is it or is it just knowledge and reacquainting yourself with some knowledge and i don't know and it's just one of those right now rhetorical unless you have a feeling no i i think we can talk i i i see what you're saying i can see the picture you're talking about but the information that they're bringing in, I'm assuming it's from a past life, and they gained wisdom in that lifetime, right? They gained, you know, they they learned things, whatever they learned that lifetime, and then, you know, gained 
use that knowledge to gain wisdom. And then that wisdom you're bringing through to, to this lifetime. So I, I, you can totally see it as wisdom, I think. As you're sharing what I am starting to wonder is if maybe part of my brain views knowledge as like a working document, a live mm -hmm. document, things that are constantly expanding and contracting and wisdom's kind of a little something, something I probably already take for granted or resonates as my truth. Sometimes it is going to be something that I have to deconstruct and I don't want to be held to that anymore. But I do think part of it might be my brain sees knowledge as a never ending limitless experience of like seeking, like forever being a student. Mm -hmm. But that wisdom is kind of my innate truth. Mm -hmm. mm. That's, what, that's where I'm landing on right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what, five minutes into the podcast, I'm landing on it? We'll see where I am in 20 minutes. <laughs> I know, right? See, I, I always say that it's one of the things we said in one of our earlier podcasts, you have a right to change your mind. So we can change our mind in 10 minutes. <laughs> I asked uh, this past week in one of my communities, I asked my teacher to define something. And she's like, okay, this is how I feel about it today. But I have the right to change my mind in a week. And I said, you have the right to change your mind after you say what you're going to say. Because sometimes <laughs> processing aloud is how we change our mind. She's like, right. okay. I was like, I'm not going to hold you to it. But that's also part of what I have recently, sorry, this is a tangent, but recently realized is part of my block in desiring to teach in writing in these various spaces is that I'm constantly changing my mind. And mm -hmm. the thought that I would be held to something I thought previously and like not be able to defend why my mind has changed really gets in the way of me wanting to share information Yeah, because I, I don't, yeah, I and, and part of it's academics, like, you know, like in academia, you take a stance and you more or less are dying on that hill, no matter how much right. you might have changed your mind. Right. Um, so I think that might be partly where it comes from. But mm -hmm. yeah, get to change our minds. Yes, absolutely change your mind. So, I, but I wanted to touch on, um, go back to what you're, you're saying about knowledge. And I, I know we use this word in the um, curriculum that we learned in, and it's knowingness, right? So there's to know knowledge, and then there's knowingness. And knowingness is sort of it's it's um it's some it's like you, you know something is true with your entire being like you, you just know it without like it's not of the mind it's not it just i know and i i think that's a bit of wisdom too i think knowingness and wisdom probably are very similar um things you know it's just sort of a nuance in words it's like slight variation but um so i see your your I'm not struggle. I don't want to say struggle, but like, you know, challenge. the challenge between like knowledge and wisdom for sure. And then yeah. this idea of knowingness. Yeah. And I think that's a, a fair distinction to make is knowledge versus knowingness. And mm -hmm. for me, knowingness is what you just said. It's that 100% certainty mm -hmm. that something is true. And I'm not always 100% correct, but I would say like, I have a pretty strong, correct accurate rate on my with my knowingness to the point I've shared this with in the podcast before but to the point where in grad school I got called out by one of my long-term best friends and was like you just make stuff up and I was like how often am I wrong though mm -hmm. and it was like it shut down the conversation it also shut down me using my knowingness for about three years but you know it was a win-win I'm sure so back to knowledge and wisdom I kind of shared how I see it happening in sessions where I see clients bringing in this information and I see that information comes from past life 97% of the time I'm just throwing out random numbers here but it's not a hundred percent and if I were to 
really deconstruct the way in which this happens. Like if I had to write out like what are the steps of how somebody gets it, the way that I imagine it and see it often when I do zoom in or somebody asks me like, what do you mean by that? I see it comes from their Akashic records. And if you don't mm -hmm. know what the Akashic records are, we've mm -hmm. done an episode on it and there's a link in the magic box down there that you can listen to. But that information comes from that person, from their mm -hmm. higher self. That is my picture. That is my understanding. And that aligns with power and agency that we spoke about previously. That is not true for everyone. There are different perspectives here on how that information comes in. For me, it is a part of my system. It is a part of something that I have the ability to access and it is mine. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. it's not influenced by others. It doesn't mean there's not other people's information in there, but it's mine to have. Sometimes right. I have to work through some energy to have it, but it's mine. Mm -hmm. What are, are you on that same page? Do you have yeah. a different perspective? Do you have an integrated perspective? No, I just, well, I mean, we've talked about it a couple times and the fact that in the physical body, there's no way, no way you can hold all the information that you have gained over the, all the lifetimes you've lived. Like it's just, it's impossible. <laughs> so, so you have to have a repository, you know, a place to put it all because it's yours. Um, and it's, and it's easily accessible by you through this idea of the Acacia record. So I, I'm, I'm with you. Totally okay, so let's we'll we'll stick with the it comes from ourselves for a minute and then we'll go into the other major perspective. So the challenge of I, I even just said it, the challenge sometimes of getting that information is you hit energy or it's getting yeah. filtered. Right. And when I hit energy, it is if you want to see me go into resistance, ask me to bring in past life information that there's energy around and you will just watch me shut down because I get so frustrated. I'm like, it's mine. It's mm -hmm. like when you're a kid and your parents are like, I'm going to hold on to your money and you can see your money, but you can't touch it. And I'm like, but it's mine. Like, why do I have to go through any sort of barrier to get it? One thing I will say is when you are, if you align and resonate with this perspective that that information is part of what is outside our body and what we can have, you may find times where you're like, I know I should have this answer, or I know I have managed this problem before in this lifetime or a past, but I can't find the information. And sometimes that's because there's an energy there that doesn't want you to have it or is connected to it. And it's a pain point. It could be a lot of different things, but if that resonates with you but you also have some dissonance around it because you're like sometimes i can't access it that still aligns it doesn't mm -hmm. mean somebody's withholding it from you in this perspective it just means you have to kind of work through it yeah i um while you were telling that or talking about that i had this <laughs> i had this image of something that happened to me when i was a little kid and i feel like the information is there and is yours but there's um the energy that you're talking about is um sometimes it's an association right so when i was a little kid i ate uh, a ton of peach jolly ranchers a ton of them and i got so sick so sick <laughs> chocolate chips yeah uh, yeah and so now every time i see a, jo a, pe a peach jolly rancher i go Ooh! like i associate the peach jolly rancher with that feeling of feeling food aversion at its best yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that could be one of the filters that you hit when you go to access information. There might be an association from a past life like, I learned this, but man, it was so hard or so painful or whatever um, that you're, you become averse to actually grabbing it and taking it, even though it is yours, because you've associated this feeling with it. And so 
part of the work that Cindy and I do is, is to help you release out that association or that limit or that idea or that energy around the, the filter of why you can't access that. And I will just say that sometimes those aversions may be a present time experience, mm -hmm. like the Peach Jolly Rancher is a present time experience. And the odds of you having a past life where you had Jolly Ranchers is probably pretty slim. I'm not going to say it's yeah. impossible because <laughs> time is not linear, but I'm going to say it's on the slimmer side. Right. So there can be opportunity that, or there can be not opportunity there. It's likely that that it, food aversion experience is also integrated in past life information somewhere, mm -hmm. some level of aversion. So right. sometimes present life does impact past life information mm -hmm. and how we can integrate it. And and on a little tangent there, because your girl over here is just feeling real tangible today, Tang <laughs> tangential today, not tangible, definitely not feeling tangible, tangential. Sometimes we can't bring that information in because the human mind can't process it. Yeah. And I can count yeah. five readings in the last three weeks where that was the case with a yep. client where it was like, I can see you wanting to bring that in, but the human body doesn't know what to do with it. And so you either need to leave it alone or find a way to translate it. And this is where like working with your higher self guides, the Supreme Being source, whatever kind of comes in. But there's also times where you know you have the information, but your body and your human brain cannot process it or find ways to talk about it, which is why if you work with us, if you've studied this curriculum, always starting with a color because mm -hmm. a color is a color is a vibration is a color. Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then you can start to kind of find what it might be trying to inform you about and help yeah. your brain kind of parse it out. Right. That reminds me of an experience I had up in Shasta. There was this incredible crystal shop up there and I walked in and the vibration in that place was so high. I was like, whoa, what's just happening right now? I mean, you are in Lumeria country. Lumeria I, country. I know, but I just feel like it was all concentrated in that, that one did place. Did you see Fraggles though? I mean, no, I did not. I'm fairly <laughs> certain that Fraggles come from Lumeria. Go ahead I and challenge probably. me on that, anyone. Love to have that conversation. <laughs> but that 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 sort of is it. Like I'm trying to illustrate what Cindy was saying is that there, there are vibrations. So everything has a vibrational level, right? sound color whatever and information so if you're trying to bring in information and the vibration is either way 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 too high or way 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 too low for where you're at in the moment it's very it's very difficult to bring it in like your body will resist it it'll be like no like that's how i felt in that store like i was like oh my god this is a little too much for me i have to go back outside <laughs> It's true as well. If it, the vibration is too low, it right. can be really challenging to, yes. to engage. Yeah. Right. Right. So one thing that I see happen it, with clients, I see it happen with myself. I saw it when I was in the program. We've done a million exchanges at this point. We have seen it in each other's face. And that is sometimes our own information gets filtered. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there is a filter that dilutes what we can have. And that is also something that I work with my clients on and you work with your clients on is helping to remove those filters. Now, some filters are good. They protect mm -hmm. us. We want them there. Most filters that I'm going to see in a reading don't belong there because the way that I set the reading, right? Like I set mm -hmm. the reading, high discernment, helping client get to where they need to be moving out with their ready release. And oftentimes that's going to be a filter. And I will, I will share, I genuinely believe that like most of those filters either come from our family or come from society. They don't yeah. come from spirits. They don't come from ET energy. They don't come 
family and society, the two spaces that like to keep us in control and keep power over us, in mm -hmm. my experience. Yeah, I completely agree that I mean, and especially, you know, in the physical experience, you grow as a kiddo, you're, you're completely reliant on your family, you know, to survive. So you've sort of you just adapt and take in the ideas and the limits that they have. Um, and everybody has limits, you know, so like, I'm not like, I have not, I have met no one in this world who has had no limits whatsoever. I would really like to meet that person. But anyway, <laughs> I don't think you can have, I don't think you can be limitless in the body. I just, yeah, it's I not, you. it's, it's, you. it's the game of the body. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's the laws of physics. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I think the clients that come to us realize they've come to a realization either consciously or subconsciously or unconsciously or however you want to say it. They go, you know, I have a limit and I want to get past it and I need help. And so it's really easy to gain these limits as you grow and you learn as a kid and, you know, through society and you just sort of unconsciously accept them until you hit a point in what you want in your life and they're in the way. And then you go, wait a minute. <laughs> when it becomes a disruptor to your havingness. Right. Exactly. One of my one of my communities uses disruptor a lot. It's not a mm. word that I've used a lot. Um, so I've been trying to figure out how I want, like what it means to me and how I want to integrate it. And this is a mm -hmm. great example. Mm -hmm. So let's pivot for a second. We can come back in a minute to how we're seeing it. I might actually just have you take on the second part of this because I get so lit up over this. Okay. So go. lit up. Do you know where I want to go? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I'm excited though. <laughs> I might be stumped, but I know. No, you're not. Once I say it, you're going to be like, oh, no. <laughs> so I genuinely think the more commonly held belief is that we get our information from spirit, from mm. entities out outside ourselves, from God, from source, from the universe. Mm -hmm. I think that belief is, is more widely held. Mm -hmm. And I only recently discovered this in my ignorance of thinking that everybody saw themselves as a Gryffindor. I had to really start to rethink all the things that I took for granted. Um, I'm not even kidding. I was in my 20s. Like, I think I was 17 when Harry Potter came out or 18. And I was in my 20s when, like, I started hearing people be like, no, I'm not Gryffindor. I'm Ravenclaw. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Who does? <laughs> You don't want to be you don't want to be Gryffindor and then I started to learn not everyone imagines imagines themselves as the protagonist so mm -hmm. I also had to learn recently that not everyone sees their information comes from their higher self instead that it comes from spirit outside the body beings mm -hmm. without bodies guides ascended masters gods archetypes loved ones whatever this triggers me <laughs> <laughs> well it's a great um continuation of our discussion from the last episode about agency, right? So if you if you associate that all wisdom and knowledge comes from something outside yourself, then where does your agency sit? You know, yes. With that other with that other person being whatever. So I don't like to look at it that way cuz that I mean I don't get quite get quite as triggered, but I don't I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So before we go into why we don't like it, mm -hmm. I think it would be helpful to kind of frame why we think people might find this attractive what's your first thought on that because i know what my first thought is i i think sometimes it's well i think it's two well, in my opinion anyway <laughs> i think it's two things when you're we're trained that way we're uh -huh. trained to look outside ourselves for wisdom and knowledge you and know, if you don't, don't believe us look at what's going on with the education system in the u.s right now and what curriculums are being pulled we do not want people thinking for themselves and right. i will stand and die on that hill yeah totally completely we're like our society sets that way like here in the United States, so that's the way it's set. So that's one, we're trained. 
And then two, I think some people feel that it's easier, right? If I hand over responsibility um, to someone else, then I don't have to take responsibility. And I, you know, it's, I'm just relying upon that other person. It's kind of like that re child parent relationship, right? Like as a wee one, you're completely reliant on this other person to take care of you. Um, but then the idea <laughs> is that you get older and then you take that responsibility into yourself and make your own decisions and things like that. But I think people can get stuck in that reliance upon the authority figure or what they see as bigger than them as the answer. And I, that's not my, I'm not interested in that, you know, this lifetime. I think I feel like I've done that enough. I'm done with that. <laughs> I don't have anything to add why I think this is attractive to people. One thing that I did think of as you were sharing is when you add in the axis of individualistic versus collectivist, collectivist societies. Yeah. yeah. It is very interesting. The majority of my clients, if not all of my clients, come from individualistic societies. And what that means yeah. is the individual is more important, important than the than collective. The co yep. So think yep. of how the U.S. is versus um, any culture that has intergenerational housing. That's the best example. Like we mm -hmm. in the U.S. for the most part have individual housing. Many cultures around the world and in the U.S. have intergenerational housing. So intergenerational yep generational housing is like a collectivist society. Yeah. What I find interesting is that the majority of my clients come from individualistic societies. And you would think because of that, that they'd be more inclined to want to be accountable because it would be ingrained in them. But I actually find them to be the opposite. And I don't have enough from collectivist societies to or cultures to really like gauge that. But that was just something I thought of as we were talking is like, we're we're supposedly trained to be thinking only about ourselves but really that's also just a falsity that is there and so i guess technically it shouldn't be surprising but it was surprising to me as you were sharing that's all yeah no i agree I, I mean i think it falls <laughs> back to that societal training right yeah like that's yeah. where that comes from like you can be an individual in certain things but not everything <laughs> yes so i'd like to share what I see as the biggest challenge to seeing your information, your wisdom, more your wisdom, less your knowledge. If we're going to go with wisdom as something from what we own and, and knowledge is something that we're seeking. What I see as being problematic with that, aside from putting your agency in someone else is or something else, which is a huge problem for me. It's that information is not being passed through something so that you know what resonates with you and what is mm -hmm. your own truth. And instead, mm -hmm. many people take that external information on as their truth, and maybe it doesn't fit, mm -hmm. and maybe it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is, is what differentiates the way in which we read and we offer sessions to clients where we're working with your higher self. Yes, your guides might show up. I'm not going to tell you verbatim what they say. One, it's not going to make sense because they're rarely speaking in in language mm -hmm. like in full sentences. It's usually mm -hmm. pictures. And two, you might not be ready for that information. And I'm not here to like hold your hand through something that I don't see you ready for. And I have watched one too many reels and TikToks of professional readers talking about what they say verbatim from a guide to a client. And I just think that that is incredibly irresponsible. I do. Mm -hmm. I think it's irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because 
you are literally just being a channel for that information and you're not using any of your discernment and you're not using any of mm. what you know to be true and what you know about your client, even if it's a new client, brand new time, first time, that to me gets real dangerous real quick. As a reader and a healer, I always ask the question, if I do get information outside of the person, like higher self, I always, can they have this? Yeah. You know, is this like, can they have this right now? And if it's a yes, okay, I'll tell it. I'll say, I'll share it. But if it's a no, then I don't. So, and I think that's the, what you're talking about, the discernment. Like, I think as a healer and a, and a reader of energy, like, that's a really important role that you need to play. Like, you need to be able to discern what is best for the client um, by asking that question, right? Can they yeah. have it right now? Or does it have to wait? You know, it's not like they're never going to have it. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it might not be this lifetime. Right. Well, yeah. It might. <laughs> well, and, and, and just to be fair one of the biggest challenges I say in the, I see in the way in which we look at this and, and, and see it as our truth from our higher self is we're not neutral. So mm -hmm. sometimes bringing that information in takes significantly longer because we mm -hmm. go into resistance and we're not neutral. Right. And so like neither way is perfect. I just have my belief in what I, what resonates more strongly with me and where the agency is and what is likely to disrupt larger situations and really encourage people to find their own information again and find their starting point. The whole point of my business, the whole point of this podcast, mm -hmm. helping people find their information, find right. your knowledge, find your wisdom. Right. Right. So <laughs> the other thing we have in that whole picture of where our knowledge and wisdom comes from is the team model. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a crossover. Lisa and I both work with guides. We know that we're working with guides. Y'all know I work with archetypal energy on a regular basis. They are part of my team. But it is still important for me that I be the one that's making the decisions mm -hmm. and that I am doing it for myself and that I see that I am doing it for myself, that I set that mock up and I manifest something. I don't go, oh, thank you, universe. I go, good effing job. Mm -hmm. Good job for doing this. Take ownership of that. Because when I screw up, I'm only going to be blaming myself. We don't blame our teams when we screw up. We just think, oh, we messed up somehow. No, maybe your team is not perfect. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to kind of point out, like, there is coming back to the power and agency piece that we did, that concept of doing for yourself or having others do for you. And mm -hmm. I stand in the camp of doing for yourself and yeah. I feel very strongly about that to the best of people's abilities. And right. I will push people in my life, clients and family and friends to do for themselves as often as possible because that is, in my opinion, how we learn best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And um, I think one example is, okay, I'll admit it. I was, I, I was a helicopter parent or I might still be a helicopter parent. <laughs> you're not, you're not anymore. <laughs> You, you probably were, but not since I've met you. So I realized that, you know, doing everything for my son does not give him the skills that he needs to actually live in the world. Like he's got, he, we talked about this already. He's going to need three meals he can mm -hmm. make at any exactly. time when he moves exactly. out. Right. And so, he also needs to know how to clean. Right. Yes, 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 yes. And so the idea of having someone else do it for you all the time from, a wisdom and knowledge perspective is it doesn't set you up to be able to stand on your own. And I'm with you, Cindy, like my inspiration is when I can sit back and after I've worked with a client and say, wow, they did that. They did that. Like, I just sort of like, I sort of see myself a little bit as a, I thought of this this morning, I was a little bit of a coach, right? Like, come on, like, I'm here to support you, like, and have that outside perspective and, 
be the encouraging voice to, you know, push you further than you think you could go. And that that is very different than me doing it for you. Like I could sit in front of you and like do pull energy out of your space and, you know, do all this stuff. I could do that. Sure. But I think nine times out of 10, you're just going to suck it back in again because you didn't process it. You didn't learn it. You didn't integrate it, integrate it. You know, I did it for you. So, you know, you might have a brief reprieve of like, oh, I feel better, but then whoop, it's going to come back. So, but when you do it yourself from an energetic perspective, we're talking here um, and you do, uh, you move an energy out or a limit or a belief or whatever, when you as a client do it, or you as a person do it, there are many layers to things sometimes. So it might feel like it comes back, but that part of it is gone because you did that. And I, that's in my book, that's super important. And just to kind of add on to that, when I explain to my clients, especially in consultations, that they're doing the heavy lifting, and yeah, mm-hmm. I am going to move some energy. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say you do everything solely yourself. Like that's would be a fallacy. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like you said, like 90% of it, they're doing. Yeah. And clients that have worked with previous practitioners of different modalities are always very surprised, very, very surprised. And when mm-hmm. I explain, it's more empowering for you to create the shift yourself than for somebody else to do it for you. And then use the analogy of working out and -hmm. taking care of your physical body. I can't, I can go to the gym for myself three times a week, but I can't go for you, Lisa. Like I Mm -hmm. can't, I can't go for anyone else. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can, but you're not going to get the benefits of it. Yeah. And when you liken it to that, I also think it really tears down the wall or like the mystique of like what energy work does and how energy healing happens. Cause like, the, the the questions I've gotten have just been so fascinating and it comes down to people relearning to be empowered for themselves yeah. and that they can do this themselves. Like right. I tell clients, like, they're like, how often can I see you? I'm like, let's look at it. And like, if it's too mm-hmm. often, I'm going to tell you, but my goal is not to work with you every, every week for the rest of your life, unless mm-hmm. that's the agreement we have, because it makes sense. My goal right. is you learn how to manage yourself, your energy, and you come to me when you're stuck, when yeah. you're resistant. Same right. time that I go to my my mentors, my healers, my friends, like mm-hmm. I'm not neutral. I want to look at something super fun. Like I've got a session next week with one of my mentors and it's because I want to look at some fun stuff. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not in crises. Like, can we just Yay! have a fun session? She's like, absolutely. <laughs> but most of the time it's because I'm not, I'm not having the clarity I'd like to have. Yeah. And this is my life. And so that's just sharing. We're not always going to be neutral. We're not always capable of doing all of it ourselves. Right. Yeah. And you're not always able to access the wisdom and information that you need to get past a certain thing. But I, I wanted to tie on this I, uh, when you were talking about, yes, I move energy out of my client's space. Like I, I just wanted to sort of frame it from my perspective. I I, I call it the team lift. Mm. Right? Sometimes there's something so heavy in a, you know, a client's space that it's like trying to move a giant armoire that's like super heavy. Like you can't do it yourself. Like it's, it's just, you don't have the capability to do it because it's just too big. And that's, that's where my idea of this team lift is like, okay, I'm going to help you move this out. You know, like we're going to put our attention and awareness on this together and we're going to move it together. So you still have that, you know, that you still have agency. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. so. Yes. And, and within that, what, what I'm recognizing is, most of the role that you and I are referring to is we just hold space for people right. and we put language to stuff. Right. And most of the time, simply putting language to something allows you to release it. Mm-hmm. You're validated in what you know to be true for yourself and you can let mm-hmm. go of that picture. Yep. Just 
kind of cool. Yeah, very cool. We have one more tiny topic that I, I do want to kind of touch on, which is the collective unconscious and consciousness, because we have access to that information. Yeah. The way that I see that information is it, it, it doesn't have its own consciousness necessarily, but it's almost like agreed upon information that we all can have access to. But I will share there is something that oversees that something that is is holding that space sometimes it's the supreme being and i'm super grateful most of the time with societal energy it's not and it's mm. some sort of control or power but we can tap into that we can get triggered by that we can get motivated by that we can get empowered look at what's going on in our world right now and has been going on for the last six months if not longer we can tap in and, and come together and see the same information and kind of all be on the same page. But looking at schooling, there are also times where that can move us out of our, our own information, our own knowledge, our own wisdom, et cetera. And so I, I wanted to just take a minute to talk about that collective knowledge and wisdom that's available. Mm -hmm. You know, I get a little lost um, sometimes with this idea of collective unconscious um, because growing up in, I mean, I was really young in the seventies, but still this idea of collective unconscious was there. And it was sort of the idea of all of us, every human being on this planet, possibly not human. I don't really know, but like are a part of this thing called the collective unconscious. Maybe that's the Supreme being. Like, I, I don't know. Like that's I just, how I see the Supreme being. Yeah. Like in its purest form, the way in which I see the Supreme being is how I've learned most people see the universe, which mm. is, each consciousness in body and out of body has offered up a very teeny tiny percentage of themselves and it has created a collective entity a collective consciousness that governs our universe that's mm. the way that i see it and that's mm -hmm. how i see the supreme being right the unconscious part i think is developed or grown out of the pain that is being held in the conscious part so the pain of atrocities that humans have done on this planet, the pain of how we treat each other as as human or don't see each other as human. That's where I think the unconscious part comes in, mm. as well as the unconscious part gets informed by energy, mostly out of the body that wants to control what's going on in this planet. And if you listen to any of our collective reads you, or um, yeah, collective reads, mm -hmm. you'll hear me talk about it. I think every single collective read we've done, I've talked about a controlling energy of this planet because that's what I see every single time I look at it. Even, right, even right. right now, as we're talking, I still see there is something that is not pure, that is mm. not neutral, that is informing a lot of information we have access to. Yeah. So I think I, in some way, I mean, especially if you get to a point where you don't resonate with it anymore, that becomes a limit, right? It just yes. A limit to get past. And I'm just, I keep seeing this picture as we're talking about it, about this, you know, when you're in a plane and you're in the clouds and everything, and then you, you go up in altitude and you get above the clouds and it's clear and the sun is there and all that kind of stuff. It's sort of like, <laughs> that's, that's where the wisdom and knowledge sits up there. <laughs> yes, you, have to, you have to break through a membrane. You have to break mm -hmm. through something to get there. Well, and this isn't necessarily connected to it, but I made a note on it and I just keep rethinking about it. All of our media holds energy. Yeah. It informs us of something. And I have been re-listening to a podcast uh, with a friend 
and I, I warned her, I said, Hey, this podcast comes with a, a spirit out, a spirit without body, a being without body. And she had similar experiences I did. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh, that's interesting. And I started sharing with a couple other friends and everyone's like, Oh, that's interesting that they would have a being that they work with. And I was like, well, it's completely unconscious. But then I like shared, I was like, Lisa and I have a being for our, our podcast. Like most if not all media is informed by something energetic, whether it's a being or information or an agenda or whatever they're Mm -hmm. trying to get through Mm -hmm. there. And I share that so that when you are being unintentional about your media consumption, you remember that you might be receiving information unintentionally that either triggers or doesn't trigger or puts you unconscious or gives you beautiful epiphic moments of your life. Mm -hmm. As someone that engages with media, studied media, it's like a fascinating access to it that we can't really talk about from a scholarly academic perspective because it's really hard. And then it goes into subliminal messaging and all Mm -hmm. of this stuff that we tried Mm -hmm. to get out of in the 70s and 80s. But it is there. And Mm -hmm. I encourage every one of you listening, like even as you're listening to us right now, when you're Mm -hmm. done listening to this episode, write down things that or think about things that like we didn't say, but you're aware of right now, because odds are you're either reading our pictures, engaging with the the guides that help hold this space or what we said gave you permission to see something else in your space or the collective information. Yeah. And I just want to add into, you know, if you take nothing else away from any of our podcasts, like we just, you know, discernment is so important. You know, we're sitting here telling you our perspective, our opinions, like the way we see things, our starting point, but that's not you, right? So you can, so you can, you know, listen, please listen, we love it. But um, at the same time, question what you hear. And you don't have to agree with everything we say. Absolutely not. And I um, I was talking to my son a lot this year because he had a government class and we were talking about civil dif- discourse. You know, the idea of you can have a, a differing opinion, but just talk about it civilly, you know, and, and then you learn from it. Right. But like, we all know that does not support our current our current political system. So like, yes, ideally, that is what was intended when we look at the intention of the country. But like, your son, I can already, I already know what he was saying. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. totally. He's (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, we just going back to the idea of discernment, right? Like, I I think when you consume media of any kind, you should always have a layer of discernment, you know, in front of you. And just because somebody is an expert in their field does not mean that they know everything or that they're correct. It it is, again, only recently that I realize some people in my life take what I say at face value as gospel and they follow through, they try something because I recommended it, but they didn't go through the process of like looking at it for themselves Mm -hmm. and vice versa right like Lindsay, who's been on the show multiple times now was helping me with some garden stuff and gave me like a um gave me a tip to get rid of the slugs out of my berries and she's like came over and she's like i just assumed you'd look up how to do this and not just take exactly what i said Mm. and did it and i was like yeah, no, you have more information than me. Why would I, why would I look it up? You told me what to do. And and I realized afterwards, like, oh, that's one of those times where I'm like, you have more information than me. I'm going to just trust what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I might screw it up. And like, you might be supporting me later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 100% did that. And I just, right. to this moment, it's one of those times that like, I always think about. <laughs> that's great. You gained a little wisdom there. <laughs> I did. And I do feel a little stretched from this conversation. I feel oh, like good. I get to kind of, I think the part, the stretch for me is that 
collective consciousness and unconsciousness, mm-hmm. spending a little bit more time getting some framing around it for myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. That one is, I need to look at that one a little bit more and go, what is that exactly? But it's so overwhelming sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, big. do I really want to? Yeah, no, great question. Yes. Yeah, that's another question you listeners, you should ask yourself, do I want to do this? Just because yeah. someone says I should do this, do I want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And do I not want to do it because I'm being lazy and it's not, or um, do I not want to do it because it's not good for me? <laughs> <laughs> Both are applicable. Both are right, applicable. right. <laughs> Do you have anything else? No, I think we've covered all our bullet points that we wanted to cover. So I know, and we did a little side travel. We did. <laughs> and gently. We, we, we did do quite a bit of traversing and uh, side quests. <laughs> yes, call them side I like quests. that. Side quests, I like that. I'm working on main character challenge. So like nice. we're turning everything into books. Nice. All right, Wanderers, thanks for listening. We, we really do want to hear your thoughts on this as well as your thoughts on power and agency. So please do email us Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I at into the known.com. Please DM us on Instagram at into underscore the underscore known and or at insight and harmony which is Lisa. We do check, if we don't follow you, we do check our missed messages. So don't worry, you will get a response from us eventually. And if you really enjoyed this uh, episode, why not forward it to your friend that's ready to hear a little bit more about where they're getting their information from. Until next time, enjoy the wonder.